Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our conversations. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like Jesus. Amen. Now snag some peppermint tea in your favorite mug and enjoy the Deep Waters podcast. Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. My name is Jace Langley, and I'm here with Benjamin Olson, and we are excited for what we have in store today. Man, we just got out of a little prayer sesh, if we're honest, because this is a big topic, and Mm -hmm. we're just trying to follow what the Lord has for us today. Yeah, that's right. We want to be open-handed with the conversation. Broad stroke today, we're talking about the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) What is the Bible? Where'd it come from? All those kinds of big questions. Yeah. Can we trust it? Mm-hmm. Is it from God? Is it from humans? There's so much in this conversation that we could dedicate hours and hours and hours and hours of podcast over multiple years <laughs> and just be scratching the surface, I feel like. And listener, if you do want to listen to a podcast like that, there's the Bible Project podcast <laughs> out there, which has <laughs> essentially been doing that for the past three years or something. So yeah, for sure. It's, it is really beautiful and it, we are just going to scratch the surface today, mm-hmm. but I think that's good. I, we, we want this podcast to be a place where we can get our, get our thinkers thinking as our, ah, I, my brain is a thinker. I don't know what I was going with that. I like it. I yeah. want to get my thinkers thinking. Yeah. Let's all right. We're all going to get our <laughs> thinkers thinking today. <laughs> Buckle up. And I think this conversation is practical I don't want it to just feel like nerdy or intellectual because as Christians, we should be people of the book, Mm -hmm. you know, N.T. Wright said that we should be scripture soaked. Oh, wow. People. I love that. And I I love that too. And like Jesus was the kind of person who was scripture soaked, like Mm -hmm. so much of what he said. I I wonder if he intentionally quoted the Bible or if it was just kind of coming out of him Mm -hmm. when he would speak. Wow. I think from the, the research I've done for this podcast, it sounds like um, that back in the time of Jesus, people just knew a lot more of the history of the Bible or, or real, realized the full context of all that included, which included Jewish history and all these different kinds of things, you know, where I feel like we in the American church have had a different view of the Bible. I know at least for me growing up, I don't know. So like, Growing up, how did you view the Bible? How was it taught to you um, in the church that you grew up in? Yeah, I I don't really know where I got this from because I don't remember a specific teaching on, hey, this is the Bible. Uh, maybe, maybe I did. I, I guess I had a youth pastor who taught me things like um, everything in the Bible has to be completely true and without error. Mm -hmm. If we doubt any one thing, then we'll start to doubt everything. Yeah. And I remember there was almost a little fear behind that. Like, whoa, if I don't believe that, um, like, I I think I was asking questions about why people were so old at the beginning of Genesis. They lived into their seven, eight, nine hundreds. What? 
I'm like, yeah. what do I do with that? Was, yeah. Is that true? Or is there something going on there? And he said, yeah, of course it's true. Everything in the Bible is exactly true. And literal. And literal. Literal in our sense, our scientific sense today. I'm glad you inserted that because mm-hmm. there is a difference between something being true mm-hmm. and then it being literal or metaphorical. It could be true and both mm-hmm. either literal or metaphorical. But anyway, that's opening a can of worms. Yeah. Um, my my view of the Bible then basically was, wow, if it's so perfectly without error, then it it is so divine. Mm-hmm. It's like one large book that tells me how I'm supposed to live my life, and it's from God to me. Mm-hmm. I, so I think I would read any part of the New Testament because just... Candidly, I never read almost any of the Old Testament yeah, growing up. Totally. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And the people around me were only reading the New Testament, totally. I think. Um, and so I just thought, okay, well, what is God telling me to do in this? And we'd have nice little one-off verses like turn the other cheek and love your neighbor. Um, you know, splinter in the eye versus log in your own. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I shouldn't be a judgmental person. Um, I should be nice to people, even if they're mean to me. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I thought of the Bible as an inerrant word from God that was telling me how I was supposed to live my life. And it also told me the story of how I'm going to go to heaven when I die because Jesus came for me and died on the cross for my sins. Mm-hmm. You know, it told me that basic evangelical little gospel message, totally. which is great. So I think that, yeah, if -hmm. I could put it in a nutshell, that's how I was raised to think of the Bible. How about you? Totally. Um, I, I had this idea that like, for, I don't know, I don't, again, I'm not sure if I got this in a sermon or whatever, but it, it felt like my understanding of the Bible is the people that wrote the Bible, like would just sit down and like be completely possessed by the Lord and their hand would be written by God all the words on the page mm. like, and, and that it was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write, write some of the Bible and they would just write out all of Genesis and then work on the next book. And like, <laughs> I don't know, I had just, I had no concept of, uh, authorship or the human, the beautiful human involvement of the Bible. And again, I, I would say I had a very inerrant view of the scriptures in, in that everything's literal. The world was created in seven days. Um, which I mean, it doesn't really matter where you land on those kinds of things, but like, Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely the view that I had and that it was just like, yeah, the story of Jesus and which is true. That that is absolutely true. So yeah, I, I, we were laughing about this image of, you know, just someone passing out and waking up written, you know, Jeremiah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and not, and I've realized now that there's just a beautiful history of, of scripture and how it was put together. And yeah. I don't, where should we go now? I was just going to say, Jeremiah is kind of a fun example of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't know if you did this intentionally, you might have, but, um, Jeremiah was a prophet, right? Mm-hmm. From around the time that Judah, the southern tribe of Israel, was wrecked by Babylon. <laughs> Just like 586 yeah. BC. So 
a long time ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jeremiah said a lot of things as a prophet. And mm-hmm. a lot of the things he said were written down. Um, he were told in the book of Jeremiah that he had a scribe. One of the only biblical books that tells us the name of a scribe. I think Baruch mm-hmm. is his name. Yeah. 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 Sound familiar? That's true. Okay, sick. You, you've just been studying I this, I just right? studied this. So yeah, Baruch. Um, so I think it's fun that like you use that as an example of, oh, when I was a kid, I just assumed the book is called Jeremiah. It must have been the book that Jeremiah wrote. Mm-hmm. Every word is yeah. out of his pen. His little manifesto. Yeah. To the Israelites. I'd never had categories for believing, whoa, maybe Jeremiah said a bunch of things and he had a scribe homie named Baruch that was writing his stuff down Mm -hmm. and Baruch and maybe even other people were compiling Jeremiah's writings even after Jeremiah's life. Um, If something like that was told to me, all of a sudden my view of scripture started to feel insecure, Mm -hmm. you know, like, wait, 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 wait. So God didn't, explicitly write this through Jeremiah's possessed hand. Yeah. I like that picture, Jace, because mm-hmm. I think I, I kind of believed that too. And then learning about some of the ways that the Bible might have actually been written, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, just to get a little nerdy, because I know you love this, is it, was it Baruch that they actually found the seal Wow, yes. That was that wrapped the you know the parchment that Jeremiah was written in, and you can actually see Baruch's thumbprint on the seal, wow. which is like the cl- like the clearest connection we have to any of this, especially the Old Testament authors, yeah. the people that wrote down the books. Absolutely, I'm like that was so cool. I love that you brought that up. I'm I- I'm referencing a, a lecture by Tim Mackey, who is one of the founders of the Bible Project, mm-hmm. and Benji led me on to this guy, and. Uh, so fascinating. I'll, so I'll, fascinating. Uh, I think I'll, I'll try to link maybe those lectures down in the description of the podcast. That'd after be this. great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how to do that, but I'll try to figure it out. <laughs> Cause I think that'd be really cool. If you want to go like deep onto like the nitty gritty of how the Bible was put together. Yeah. It's such a great resource. It's so good. And it like really, we'll get into this a little bit more, but it really painted this beautiful picture mm. of what the Bible is and how, wow. and it's, I think it, it made me realize the way I viewed the Bible before it, it's like, this is just way more beautiful. Wow. I don't know if the, that's not the best way to say that, but yes. it's the way I said it. I don't know for sure if this is what you mean, but when you say beautiful, I think part of why it's so beautiful is because it's reality. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like, oh, it's so historical. It's historically grounded. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I can go to Jerusalem right now and I can walk around the same streets that would have existed in probably a different form, definitely a different form, as my Lord Jesus, you know? And that city, though it's been destroyed and rebuilt dozens of times over the millennia. Um, it's still in the same place that it was 4,000 years ago. And, and we can dig around and find things like seal the seal of Baruch mm-hmm. with literally his fingerprint on it. <laughs> it's so cool. That, the archaeology that exists around the Bible is so exciting because it, it really does. It validates it. All of a sudden, I go from 2,000 years removed from Jesus feeling like this is some distant, truthful thing to realizing like, oh... Like we have scientific evidence. You could walk through museums and see stuff that 
existed mm-hmm. all around the actual characters of the Bible. That's amazing. That's so cool. All right, let's go to Israel. All right. right um, anyway, we're going to leave for Israel right now. Have a good rest <laughs> of your day. I've never been to Israel, and I really want to go. Oh, I went once. It was mm-hmm. February of 2020. Oh, wow. That fateful month right before everything happened. <laughs> Well-timed. It was amazing. I highly recommend it. Did you go to the Museum of Jerusalem or Israel or something like uh, that? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I was lo- so many researching things. the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I think the majority of them oh. are there. I, on display, mm-hmm. which would be really cool. I have seen a bunch of the Dead Sea Scroll bits. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of bits of the Dead yeah. Sea Scroll, but you're right. I think the majority of them are in Jerusalem. And then they also travel with the traveling exhibits. So That'd I cool. went down to Salt Lake City with my parents when I was in high school yeah. just to look at them. That's amazing. Actually, I might have been college because I, I had already started studying Hebrew. So hmm. that was a really special thing. That but, sounds just amazing. I remember yeah. going to the Library of Congress and they have some of the early uh, Bibles, like the print Bibles from like oh, the yes. Reformation era, I think. Yeah, maybe the, that was cool. the Gutenberg the Bible. The Gutenberg Bible, yeah. Yeah. Which is just kind of wild. I mean, thousands of years different mm-hmm. than the Dead Sea Scrolls, but yes. still so cool. It's just, like, that's what I'm like. That's what I think is so amazing about the scriptures is just like, I mean, even from a, is the Bible important? Like, I think even like secular, uh, historians and archeologists are like, it's so incredibly important to human history outside of it being God breathed and God inspired and all these wonderful things, which I believe and you believe right. we believe as a church, but like, it's just cool to hear like, how impactful it was to the society, especially the new Testament and how much it was passed around and how many manuscripts were made versus either other ancient literature. Like it's just, it's so, uh, uh, profound all over the place. Yeah. Everywhere. What's that word? It's like everywhere. Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. That's a great word. And like validated by different cultures, different ethnicities, uh, like Christianity, um, I think it's just a fun thing to say. Christianity is the most ethnically diverse world religion by far in the wow. history of, of the world. Yeah. Like, I don't know if we ever recognize that. I've never thought about that until right now, but well, you're so right. It's like born out of Judaism. As far as I'm aware, I have no ethnic connection to Judaism. Mm-hmm. And yet I've been grafted into the tree of Israel, like yeah. the, the scriptures tell us. And it's so fun to think like there's no tongue or nation that won't be represented in the new Jerusalem. Mm. We're told by scriptures, like every tongue and nation that's so will cool. bow down. And that um, it's exemplified even here on earth by the diversity of Christianity that exists. You could see thriving churches in South Korea, mm-hmm. in Iran, all over Africa, yeah. Colombia, Canada, France. Like you totally. can't, you can't get away from a place where, Wow. The gospel has influenced it in one way or another. I mean, maybe you can, I guess, if you go in like the Amazon indigenous peoples. Or yeah, something. but but still. But I'm like, <laughs> Islam hasn't made it there either. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you bring up kind of an interesting point. Mm-hmm. If I can bridge back a little to no, something else do. we said. Um, speaking of world religions, Islam believes that the Quran, their holy text, is the literal words of God. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but they believe that God spoke words to Muhammad Mm -hmm. 
And then Muhammad exactly spoke those same words to scribes that wrote down those words. Mm -hmm. And it became what we call the Quran. In other words, like God within uh, or Allah, they would say, which is just the Arabic word for God. Um, Allah was speaking the Arabic language to Muhammad and all of the words of him were recorded down in this holy book. Isn't that an interesting difference mm -hmm. to the Bible in that um, that's not really human and divine. It's just divine. Mm -hmm. At least it claims to be divine. Yeah. Obviously, as Christians, we have different views on the Quran. Um, but there's something so powerful, though it can be uncomfortable at times, about recognizing that the Bible is 100% divine and 100% human mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah, totally. I, that's, that is what kind of, I initially had a hard time with this topic because it, it does confront a lot of these pre preconceptions that we have about the Bible that I grew up with. And I, I just was initially taken back by the humanity of the Bible and its mm. record, whether it's oral history or the fact that we don't know the authorship of like who wrote down the books of the old Testament mm -hmm. or, you know, any of these, there's all these kind of questions that pop up. But I mean, I think I, I read the Bible and without a doubt, it's a hundred percent divine. And it's so cool that the Lord partnered with our humanity in its creation similarly that's who jesus is too wow 100 percent god 100 percent human wow and where i think our brains have a hard time wrapping that around and we have kind of these different theologies that compartmentalize god to certain parts of jesus and humanity wow. to humanity to certain parts of jesus but the reality is he was 100 percent human and also 100 percent god and i don't think the scripture is any different in that sense it just it shook me up a little bit from my, hmm. you know, like you've, you've, I don't think we've said on here yet, but this golden tablet idea of scripture, right. Of that. These came down from heaven. Um, and the written by God, like God's exact words, but it's beautiful. I think it's even more beautiful that it's God working through men mm -hmm. and women. And that, uh, and through like the history of the Jewish people, it's like, yeah. it's God is using the story of just history in itself to proclaim his goodness and his yeah. character and who Jesus is in the coming of the Christ and all these different mm. things. And that's just through the ordinary lives that these people were living that then got recorded, um, in a divine way. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say anything that's like <laughs> way off base here. I'm just, I just am, I'm really struck by the beauty of the, the scriptures as we sit here. <laughs> I love it. I'm just like smiling nonstop as you speak. Cause I love the Bible so much. I'm such a nerd. And he's like, yes, this is good, <laughs> good conversation. <laughs> I don't know why the accents had to change, <laughs> but it, uh, it, um, I think it, what a beautiful thing. I think it resonates with our spirits because it is fundamentally true that God created with the intent to invite humanity into his creation project. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I'm going to think of Genesis 
Garden of Eden. God mm-hmm. creates and then gives his image bearers, Adam and Eve, authority over all of creation. Mm-hmm. He says, you are made in my image. Now have dominion over the world. Subdue it. You can name all of the creatures, he tells Adam. And so Adam does that. And there's mm-hmm. this like co-labor with God invitation yeah. that the Lord brings us into. We've been talking about that at church, this like priestly identity that mm-hmm. we're invited into by God. It's not like God creates everything and then says, okay, now just, I don't know, go live lives and have fun. He, he actually gives us authority mm-hmm. to partake in his own projects with him, mm-hmm. alongside him. And because he's so committed to the authority that he gave these humans. He's so committed to the humans themselves that we see that as a thread through the entire Bible and through the thread of, uh, as a thread through the entire history of humanity. Then of course the scripture is going to be God and human because the Lord's utilizing humans. And then when we realize that humanity is falling short, time and time again to maintain mm-hmm. its covenant with the Lord. Of course, the perfect God and human one is going to come on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the Lord would choose to save us through human because that's how committed he is to this project of bringing humans alongside him. You know what I mean? That yeah. he would put on flesh himself. That's so good. That's a great way to relate it to kind of mm-hmm. what we're going through as a church right now. That is so beautiful. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I, I mean, you're right. I'm just in awe of scripture. It's beautiful. And I think part of why we're in awe of it is because it resonates with our personal, very own created nature. have viewed scripture in these different ways. One of them, the, the Bible project actually coined these terms. I'll just use them. One is like, it's a um, divine instruction manual for our lives. Mm -hmm. In other words, if I need to know what to do with my life, I'll go to the Bible and it is God telling me what I should do. It's Uh, like advice. It's like great advice from God. Or like a magic eight ball almost, you know? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and if if that's the way you view scripture, then what are you going to do with some of the really challenging texts where hard things happen or characters in the Bible don't do very Christ-like things? Totally. It's kind of like, I don't, I think as a young kid, I would like, I don't know what to do about this, Lord, or I need some inspiration. I'd like flip the pages of the book, like a magician and then like open it and stick my finger on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's not a good way to get advice, honestly. <laughs> Cause then all of a sudden you're reading the story about Lot's daughters. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't know that story, then maybe you don't want to go read it. <laughs> it's in Genesis. <laughs> um, but w- wild things happen in mm-hmm. scripture that I'm sure the Lord does not condone. And sometimes in scripture, the wild things are rebuked or corrected, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they're not. Sometimes intentionally the author of the book doesn't tell us what is right. It just tells us what happened. And then with the whole story of scripture, we have to determine Mm -hmm. 
how we ought to think about it. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to, I would, I think we've talked about maybe landing somewhere in this podcast of talking about the Bible as a beautiful piece of art or like a mosaic. And I Mm. think it's relevant in this scenario because if you were just to read that one uh, verse or chapter that like, you know, leaves this ambiguity Mm -hmm. to it and that's all you read in isolation, you're not getting the full picture. Right. And I think we do often allow our scripture intake to be limited to Sunday, Sunday services, maybe a little devotional here and there. I'll read a Psalm, read a little new Testament little. And I think there is, I just want to encourage everyone that is listening to this to like NT Wright says, be soaked in scripture. Wow. Like the more we read of this, the better. And I feel like we all hear that. It's like, go pray and read your Bible. You know, like that's, (laughs) yeah, that's what being a Christian is. And, but there's, but it's to know God. Wow. It's not just to like check something off the list. It's to get an understanding of who we are as humans and how we relate to God and what he's done to bridge this gap between him and us. Wow. I'm like, that's like, that's so important. I don't want people to miss that. Mm. So I'm like, I mean, don't listen to us talk about the Bible and then not go read it. Like, please go read the Bible (laughs) because it's going to, it's just, please. (laughs) Yeah, please. (laughs) And like, the hope is that not only would we read it, but we would persist in reading it because it's, I mean, truth be told, it's a super old, difficult group of texts Mm -hmm. to read. I mean, especially the Old Testament. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. Sometimes it can feel so distant, Mm -hmm. confusing, that you think that's not even worth my time. If anything's worth my time, maybe I'll read the Gospels or some of Paul's letters. I open up Revelation and I have no idea what to do. So I flip back to the Gospel of John. And, you know, there's a place for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that... Yeah, well, what do I want to say? I think the longer we read Scripture, the more we know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. But if you give up at the beginning of your time with Scripture, then you won't have even begun to enjoy it. It's like... I don't know why, um, like art came to my mind, like ballet, you try ballet one day and you just really mess up. And so you quit, like you're never going to enjoy the fruit of being a ballerina or like if you try dinking around on the piano, um, but you, you quit because it's really challenging. Um, you'll never enjoy the feeling of playing, you know, a, a masterpiece of music. Totally. And while I think that analogy breaks down in a few different ways, I think there's something too persisting in scripture that the more time we spend in it, the more we're going to understand it. And, and this is the thing that you were just getting at Jace that I think is most beautiful is it's not just about understanding the Bible from like some head knowledge perspective. It's about actually encountering the person of God in the words of scripture. Like if we believe that it is inspired by God, we also believe that the Holy spirit dwells with us as we read it. If we open our hearts to him and man, then the Bible, just like our God is fundamentally relational Mm -hmm. because it bridges our hearts with his. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I think, I mean, we could go into, uh, some of the, the pillars of Mm -hmm. the Bible, the Bible project lays these out. I think we're going to talk through some of them because you talked about, 
you know, sometimes it just feels so old and distant, you know? Yeah. Especially the, the historical parts, but like, that's what it is and that's okay. Yeah. Like it, it is history. Yep. And, and I think if we work through some of these pillars, you'll see that like, that's, that's actually a, a trait of the Bible. It's a good thing yes. about the Bible is that we get to encounter the history of, of God's chosen people. Mm. And like you said, learn about him. Like you said, like I said, learn about God <laughs> and who he is. Yes. And, uh, I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to start yeah. to go through those? Sure. We'll go through what Jace is talking about is, um, the Bible project, uh, has claimed what they say are seven different pillars of what the Bible is. Mm -hmm. And this isn't like seven different things that exist in the Bible in part. This is seven things that are true about all of the Bible. Yeah. Um, the first one we've already been talking around and that is that it's both divine and human. Mm -hmm. Um, which I love that we don't say 50% human and divine. Yeah. I think the math shouldn't make sense because it transcends our ability to understand it. Mm -hmm. It's a hundred percent both. Yeah. Um, I had a theology professor that would always say that a hundred percent plus 100% equals 100% in the case of the yeah, Bible totally. and also in the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's the first pillar. And like, I also, I think we will table the conversation around inerrancy, infallibility, um, literal understandings versus metaphorical understanding of scripture. Mm -hmm. um, we could get into that maybe in another day, mm -hmm. but um, I think any Orthodox Christian, meaning like a Christian belonging to the capital C church would acknowledge that there's divine inspiration in this mm -hmm. book. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it is, it, in its humanness, it's, it's truth as well. You know, yeah. I think that's what, it's those paradoxes that we're like kind of stuck with, you know, and it's, uh, in the confusing nature of some texts or whether it is figurative or literal or metaphorical, all these things, it's like still, it's still God, <laughs> God, God breathed. It's like, am I, am I complicating that or I, yeah. No, you're saying it perfectly. Okay. And I, I mean, even just in saying the word God breathed, you're quoting Paul's writing in Timothy. Oh, praise God. I don't know if you knew that you did that. Did you know you did that? I I mean, I've heard God breathed a lot. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm that's just that's that a compound God. word that Paul invented mm -hmm. to describe scripture. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm going to read a scripture um, in, this is in second Peter chapter one verses 19, 19 through 21. Um, Peter talking about prophecy. And I think us at river house, hopefully we understand this at least to a certain degree already because of how much we talk about the prophetic that when prophetic things happen, there's this understanding that I'm not saying what I'm saying purely out of my own mind. God is downloading something into me. And I, as a human, am still involved in that download. Um, and so sometimes within the prophetic, it can feel messy. And sometimes in the history of the Bible, it can feel messy, but that doesn't mean it's not divine. Um, it's very well said. Well, I'm glad you thought so. I'll, yeah, I'll read. This is first, oh, excuse me, second Peter chapter one, verse 19 through 21. 
he says, we also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's Peter writing, acknowledging that God is speaking through a human by the Holy Spirit. There's, there's some kind of holy intermingling here. Yeah. Um, and that's what we see in scripture. So mm-hmm. that's the first pillar. <clears throat> no, it's so good. And just to add on to this real fast, I came to, to Benji right before this and I, I just sat down after the studying of, of the making of the Bible. And I asked him like, do you think that God planned to write the new Testament? And it, it kind of comes down to the, the question of, did the New Testament writers know they are writing the New Testament, essentially? Mm-hmm. And he brought up this verse. And it was like, oh, yeah, like this is, this is God working through man, just as we prophesy today at Riverhouse. Mm-hmm. And we try to be the most pure vessel and conduit of the Holy Spirit. Um, these, these men were doing the same thing. Right. Um, which I thought was really beautiful. That's and good. it's still like, it still holds all the messiness in it, uh-huh. but, uh, that hit me, that hit me hard. And I was like, oh yeah, that's like, that's, that's so good. good. And I also, I've realized throughout this whole time, I think there is something that I tried to do growing up and maybe we have done as a capital C church to take all faith out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like we've kind of said, this is the this is the golden tablet word of God and that's it. And it's like, Oh, Oh, great. Then that, that, that's it. You know? And yeah. like, I think there is so much more powerful or it's so much more powerful when we like actually, uh, have faith in something, wow. not just, you know, not just passively accept it. Yep. And I feel like that's been my process over the past week or so studying wow. this is, I've gone from kind of this like more passive, this is how it is and was and always will be. Mm-hmm. The, you know, God wrote the scriptures. This is the direct mouthpiece of God. And and it doesn't take any faith to believe that outside of God, which that was like a no, that's a non-starter for me. Sure. God exists. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Did I, I kind of went down a yes. rabbit hole there, but maybe you could tie up my loose ends. It's beautiful. I think everything you said, it's, um, it's like even a pastoral heart with which you say that, I think, because when you study the Bible, sometimes you bump up against uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. And if you've built this paradigm in your mind that the Bible is unshakably and certainly from the mouth of God, then some things might challenge your golden tablet perspective of scripture when you realize some of the messiness of the way humans put it together. But um, through the eyes of faith, I think the mess actually looks beautiful. And you realize, wow, I'm seeing not in the mess, am I seeing uncertainty? I'm seeing um, music of the Holy Spirit's movement. And 
that requires trust that the Holy Spirit is really doing what he's doing and he knows what he's doing. And like, I have to trust that our Bible is what God wants it to be. That faith element is um, dynamic. And on that, I will stand because on, on the Lord, I stand firmly. Um, so anyway, I, I, everything you said was lovely. Okay. I, totally I, I don't, I don't want to be, seeding yeah. any doubt because I, I got to the place where you said it's like uh-huh. it's beautiful like it's like it's become more alive and beautiful uh-huh. even through its um, messy creation what I've learned through my study is that it's not um, messy as in inaccurate mm-hmm. it's messy as in just historical and complicated and multifaceted in its creation but none of it is contradictive you know, right. when it gets down to it, like the manuscripts that have been passed down for thousands and thousands of years, any, any, uh, 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 any differences between the manuscripts have nothing to do with, uh, the, the, like the main meaning of it. They're just like some, maybe some slight little, like if that the sure most, most of the time. And yeah, so it's serious. like, it's not, it's not an, um, uh, all these mistakes were thrown in. It's just the messiness of time Yep. and history. So and that, messi- that, that mm-hmm. really like built up a lot of faith in me hearing that. That's good. And you're right to say that like the most essential messages of truth in scripture, as far as we can tell from ancient historical manuscripts have not changed. No. And that's amazing. It, it's crazy. Like, I don't think most other documents can say that there, there are other ancient texts mm-hmm. that we can track really significant manipulations and changes were made in them. Mm-hmm. That isn't the case with any scripture from yeah. the, the Holy Bible. Totally. And that's so cool. It's yeah, it's amazing. Um, I feel like that's, that's faithful people of God empowered by the Holy spirit. You said one thing a while back that I do want to comment on. You said the way that we prophesy today is just like the way that they were writing in scripture. Um, you didn't say it exactly like that, but that's true. And, um, then the next question you might ask is, well, then why wasn't the Bible just continually written? Like why aren't prophets today still writing books that we consider Holy scripture? Um, and I'll just tag in there mini lecture that the early church had a few different credentials for what became scripture. And this wasn't determined by any one figure or even one council. It was, it was collective and democratic. It was a communal process that we believe was orchestrated by the Holy spirit alone. Um, but documents that were directly tied to one of the apostles, um, were considered for scripture. If there was a person who wrote an important document, but wasn't an apostle or tied directly to one, then it wasn't considered. For example, there's a guy named Clement of Alexandria who wrote really wonderful texts um, in the, I think it was in the early second century. So not that far removed from Jesus. Mm And there was a big presence of the early church in Alexandria too, yeah. from what I was learning. So it's like, he's right there. He's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's one of the forefathers of our faith. You can go and read Clement's words and you will have no problems with them. In fact, you'll think, dang, I wish I had read these earlier because they're so good. They're wonderful. And you could put them in the Bible and they wouldn't create problems as far as I'm aware, at least. 
But Clement was far enough removed from Jesus and the apostles that he wasn't considered for the canon of scripture. And to me, I think that brings some validity. Like, cool, when I'm reading when I'm reading the gospel of John, I'm reading the account of the one who laid on Jesus's chest at the mm, last supper. Yeah. Like that's, that's one of Jesus's tightest homies, you yeah, know, totally. like that's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, that was one oh, of, yeah. one of the prerequisites clearing uh-huh. that up or like, yeah, just even my comments clearing that yeah. up, but yeah, go into the other prerequisite. Um, yeah, I think that's an important one. Yeah. There's something that, that, that first generation of apostles, had in knowing Jesus personally mm-hmm. that they can attribute or that they can understand the ministry of Jesus better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also other prerequisites were the writings had to be consistent with scripture, mm-hmm. old Testament and other important scripture that was early adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the four gospels were adopted really early. Um, and by really early, I mean like within a few days, decades of Jesus's ascension, mm-hmm. like, um, the fifties to the nineties wow. AD, mm-hmm. the four gospels were written and were copied and circulating the church being mm-hmm. read on Sundays to the early Christians. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, do the math with me. That's only as far back as like the Vietnam war to mm-hmm. us today. Yeah. Totally. Like imagine that we're reading texts about the Cold War and the Vietnam War that people who were still alive during those times wrote for us to read. Mm-hmm. Like we can trust it more yeah. than that because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit too. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one prerequisite or two prerequisites now tied to the apostles and consistent with scripture. And the third prerequisite was that it was like really widely accepted by the church. So like you said, Alexandria was a major hub of the church. Antioch was a major hub. Mm-hmm. There are a handful of cities like Ephesus, Rome eventually became a major hub. Um, if the Christians in all of the Christian world agreed on it, then it was good to go. Mm-hmm. So like very democratic. It's not like there was ever a person. There wasn't a council. Some people think Constantine created the New Testament. That's a myth of the modern time. The New Testament was created and compiled well before Constantine was ever born. Um, it wasn't even at the Council of Nicaea. Some people believe that too. No, the Nicene Council was trying to determine the language around the Trinity, not what the New Testament is. So if you've heard some of those myths, um, we could debunk them and we could, you know, cite you to other um, other resources. But I have so much confidence mm-hmm. in the New Testament. And I think it just comes down to my trust and faith that the Holy Spirit did exactly mm-hmm. what needed to be done. I love that when you, I remember you telling me about that and just how, uh, you know, spread out and dis- dispersed the authority was in deciding all this stuff. It really was just, um, everyone developing this kind of at the same time and it all developed together. And I think that that built up my faith a lot, that it wasn't just one person. It wasn't just like Paul or someone else later on. That's like, let's, these are going to be the scriptures, you know, it's like they were, they were all, uh, so impactful and so, uh, distributed that like, mm-hmm. it was just obvious yep. through the Holy spirit, what, what the new Testament was. Amen. It's different than you hear from like, you know, Muhammad 
like directly from, yep. you know, That's or a like thing. Joseph Smith with the Book of Mormon where it's just him. Like it's, yeah. it's, I think a much, I don't know. I feel like I'm able to have more faith in, mm-hmm. in that alternative. Yeah. Because it's communal mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit seems to do, um, the most pure work through a community of believers. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> that's actually one of the Bible projects pillars. So mm-hmm. we've said one is that it's human and divine. Another is that it's a communal literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and by communal, they mean that it was written by a community of people and that it's best understood in a community of people. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't read it on your own. If you're confused about the Bible, go talk to other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And likely they're confused about the Bible too. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm confused about the Bible all over the place. And <laughs> in conversation and in instruction from other people, like truth is hashed out. Oh, totally. You know, and I, I love being able to like sit and just talk about a, a verse or chapter or concept in the Bible. And I feel like I always end up like just blown away by how good God is like by the end of the conversation, it's like really um, beautiful to talk about in community. It is. I, one of my favorite memories growing up was we had like a, I think it was like Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday mornings during the summer with our youth group, we'd meet at a coffee shop and we did a rad, which was read, apply and discuss. Ooh. So we would like take, <laughs> I mean, not a lot of time, like let's take 30 minutes and find something in the Bible and read it. And then we'd stop the 30 minutes and then do 10 minutes of applying it to your life kind of Mm, a thing. Sure. Which is like, this is an imperfect picture of the Bible in a little bit, but then we would just talk about it in community. And like, that's where like it really flourished, you know? I feel like I, you know, it's hard to sometimes apply certain historical passages to your life, you know? When like, you know, the sword goes into the fat guy's stomach so far that it gets swallowed up. Like, that's like, <laughs> what am I going to do with that? And like, it's one of the yeah. first Samuel or first Kings, one of those books. Yeah, Judges. Judges. Thank you. Judges 3. I Ehud and the left-handed Benjaminite. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We went down a rabbit hole there. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that all I had to say, community. Yes. Amen. Yes and amen. Praise God. Yeah, so if you're lost and you don't know what to do with the Bible, find other people and do the Bible with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Praise God. That's, that's kind of all you need to know. And if it's messy and if you don't understand it, great. Welcome to the club. Yeah. That's how, how it goes. Totally. Um, I, I, a couple of the other pillars I yeah. can roll through. Yeah, please do. One of them is that <clears throat> the literature is united. Um, so before saying that, I think you have to recognize that the Bible isn't all one text it's one collection of a bunch of texts um, that have been unified intentionally. So not only were they written intentionally, they were compiled intentionally and even like ordered intentionally. Um, so when you're reading Judges about Ehud yeah. stabbing that king, you're reading the same story as when you're reading Genesis. Now, even though those were written hundreds of years apart at least... Um, it's still the same story of God with the people of God. Uh, when you're reading about Ehud and then you read about Job, it's still the same story. It's all unified. Um, and this is the next point. It all points to Jesus, which if you don't believe me, we could do a thousand Bible studies and you would be blown away. And I would be blown away at realizing how much of the Bible is prophesying about Jesus in one way or another. 
um, from the very beginning about the snake crusher who will be bitten, but also crush the source of evil itself. Like we have a picture of the crucifixion on page two, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, that's, that's how the Bible is. It's, it's all over the place. So it's one unified story that leads to Jesus. That's actually two of their paradigm points. It's unified and then messianic is a fancy way of saying it's leading to Jesus. Another pillar is that it's Jewish meditation literature. Hmm. Um, in case you don't know what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain that please? <laughs> uh, without getting too nerdy, cultures don't all write literature the same way. Hmm. I don't know if we always realize that, but like our culture wants to write a story chronologically. For example, yeah. this happened, then this happened, and then this happened, the end. Yeah. Uh, that's the way our culture writes it. That's not the only way to write a story. Mm-hmm. And ancient Jewish people wrote stories out of chronological order often in order to convey meaning in a more poetic and artistic way. Hmm. Again, not to say that these things aren't true. They're totally true. They're communicating them through a different form of literature. Mm-hmm. And the literature is also designed so that you have to meditate on it in order to extrapolate all of the meaning that's hidden within the text. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the text itself is designed in order to be meditated. You don't just read it as a pamphlet, then you get it. You can set down your Bible and walk away. Mm-hmm. That's why people will read the Bible in a year, every single year and glean new things every time it's inspired by the Holy spirit and it's created for meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, how does how does that strike you, Jace, as someone who's not an ancient Jewish person? Well, as someone that's not an ancient ancient Jewish person, <laughs> um, no, it, I mean it's it's I like I didn't know that. Like I think I have learned this in the past few years through like watching Bible Project videos, mm-hmm. but. I mean, that changes a lot of the ways you interact with the scripture. Hmm. And even, I mean, even there's such great power in just like praying, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, speak to me through this. Speak to me. Hmm. I'm like here to to just glean from you or learn something new about you. Hmm. Um, and then it also reminds me of, I think it's called Lecto Divinia. You, yeah, Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina. Yes, you got it. Um, which I don't even remember all the things, but I think that's <laughs> like kind of a way that I've learned recently to read something and then pray about it. Yeah, and then read it again slower. I'm you got not, it. Like, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> okay, can you <laughs> can you describe that? Because that might be a good practice. Yeah. Um, when it comes to this like this type of meditation literature that we don't normally sit with very often. I'm glad you brought that up. Totally. I'm forgetting which Catholic saint created Lectio Divina. Um, But it's just a a helpful tool for reading scripture. And that's a um, Lectio Divina is a Latin term. I I don't know what it means. Divine literature, divine practice, something. Um, Sorry, I don't speak Latin yet. But... Just kidding. Um, yeah, it, it is. It, it's a Christian practice of meditating on the Bible. You've got it exactly right. To open your heart to the Lord in prayer. So say maybe you take Psalm 1. This would be really meta because Psalm 1 is about meditating on Scripture. Wow. Um, and, oh, did, did you know that meta 
meditating. I wonder if that's intentional. Maybe, but is it M-E-D and M-E-T? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Dang. That's the first time I've ever brought spelling into anything. I'm a terrible speller. Me too. (laughs) Anyway, if you were to do Lectio Divina on Psalm 1, um, it could look a number of different ways, but how I've done it in the past is I pray, open my heart to it, then read Psalm 1, Mm -hmm. trying to pay attention to it, just letting it exist in my consciousness, yeah. <laughs> in my spirit. Mm-hmm. And then I sit in silence, maybe pray for a little bit, read Psalm one again, but this time with my ears open to trying to hear the Lord wow. speaking something to me, or maybe there's a particular sentence that really pops off the page, like a tree planted by living water that bears fruit in every season and whose leaves don't wither. And like that really pops off the page of Psalm one for me, for some reason in this read through, then uh, I'll read, through it again a third time after praying longer and um, see what the Lord has to tell me specifically in that. So anyway, yeah, it's like a little micro practice of meditation. And if you haven't ever done that before, I'd encourage you to look it up and to try it, grab a part of scripture that you like um, or that has confused you maybe, and just open yourself up to prayer to contemplate it. The Psalms are a great place to start if you don't know where to start. Isaiah 61, 42. Uh, Isaiah is full of great Lectio Divina opportunities, but yeah. Cool. Very cool. All right. What's next? Um, so ancient Jewish meditation literature we got. Now, another thing is that it's wisdom literature. So why wisdom literature? This is different than the divine instruction manual. Um, even though it has a lot of laws in it, and Jesus has a lot of commandments in it. Um, the Bible isn't designed to just tell us step for step, tit for tat, what we're supposed to do with our lives. It's trying to cultivate wisdom. And you know the difference between like wisdom and just knowledge about action? Like uh, street smarts. Street smarts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, that could be part of it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not sure. Like in one moment, there might be a right thing to do. And then in another moment, that same thing could be the wrong thing to do based on the circumstance. And it requires holy wisdom to understand what is the right and what is the wrong. And just to prove to you that it's wisdom literature, this dates back to Genesis chapter two, when we're introduced to the garden of Eden and the trees, the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a way of saying that when when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they decided what was right and wrong on their own terms. They didn't allow the Lord to teach them what is the right and the wrong thing to do. Instead, they seized their own wisdom to do what was right and wrong. And in their case, it was to disobey God, eat of the fruit. Um, and we do that in our own way all the time. You know, I... You know, God tells me to do this, but I think it might be a better thing to do that instead. Like, um, that that's a, the constant human struggle that we're told about in Genesis 1 through 3. And I, I think the Bible is an attempt by ancient Jewish people um, and by the Lord to help us understand wisdom, to help us recognize that only by relationship with 
the Holy Spirit will we understand what the right and wrong thing is to do in any particular moment. Hmm. It's the the volume of the wisdom literature is loudest in books like the Proverbs, for sure. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> Job has often been called wisdom literature. Truthfully, wisdom is all throughout the scriptures. Even um, there are different times where Old Testament laws are communicated by Moses in Exodus. And then those same laws are tweaked a little bit in Numbers because wisdom is expounded upon and it changes based on different circumstances. And that's not to say that God's word is changing. It means that his wisdom is dynamic and life is complicated. So anyway, the Bible is its not trying to tell you what to do like building the Lego set tells you exactly what to do. And there's only one right way to do it. The Bible is trying to open up a relationship between you and the divine so that you can understand what the right thing to do is in every situation, which is wisdom. Totally. Yeah. It's like, it's like in the same way, Jesus doesn't describe what to do in every scenario. You know, he doesn't give us, he just kind of gives these like overarching Mm. commandments and, parables that aren't you know aren't lego sets but they're just like pictures like that we are to glean wisdom from um, after more meditation amen Mm -hmm. i'm glad you said after more meditation i'm thinking about jesus's parables especially are things that like you need to chew on Mm -hmm. and jesus often finishes a parable by saying for the one who has ears to hear let him hear Mm-hmm. which itself is something I want to chew on. Like, what does that mean? Totally. Um, well, let me think about it. And in the process, I'm, I'm demonstrating that I have ears to hear, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And also I think it's fun in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes Old Testament law. He says, you've been told before, don't murder. Mm-hmm. I tell you, don't be angry with your brother because you've murdered him in your heart. That's Jesus meditating on the Old Testament mm-hmm. and gleaning wisdom from it. Yeah. And he's gi- he's giving you like little cheat codes there. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, here's some wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not a matter of legalistic, what's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? This is a matter of your heart. And if your heart's not in the right place, like I don't care if you actually commit adultery or not. If your heart is impure and lusting, you might as well have committed adultery, you know? And um, yeah, so that there's a, a glimpse into Jesus pulling out some wisdom literature that's a little more obvious from the Old Testament. I think like one of the other pillars being like the, this is Jewish meditation liter- literature. This is historically, you know, just Jewish history. Like we also have to look at like his parables within that context too. Hmm. I think that's like so important. Great point. Like, uh, not only do we have to meditate on it, but we have to dig a little deeper and learn. Cause I know there's imagery in his parables that is only understandable only. Yeah. Only it makes only sense in the context of that time. Yep. Which is, yeah, just part of wow. the digestion of it all and being in community, like even, even like the wisdom and the relation to the Bible and to God, it's all relational, you know, like it's like all these things I can just see how it's just all these things all the time. And it's just beautiful. I mean, does that kind of go into the next pillar, which it's contextually rooted? Absolutely. Do you want to talk about that? a little bit? Yeah. I just hit on it briefly. Like Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't know if you podcast listener know this, but tax collectors were people who were really hated in the ancient world. That's something that I think gets brought up in enough sermon illustrations. Yeah. I have a friend named Joel who is a tax collector in Boise today. Oh, wow. I love Joel. Mm-hmm. He's a Christian. He's yeah. a good man. Mm-hmm. He's integrous, but he works for the Idaho State Tax Commission and he literally collects people's taxes. If I read Jesus's words about tax collectors and Jesus's relationship with them, like out of the lens of my relationship with Joel, I, I, I wouldn't catch it, you know, because tax collector means something different in first century Palestine. So yes, it's contextual, um, to read any verse out of that context is often to miss something. And that doesn't mean that the Lord can't still use it, but sometimes we can really misunderstand words of Jesus or teachings of the Lord when they're taken out of their context. Um, so I would say if you're reading the Bible and you don't know what to do with a certain reading, zoom out. I'm thinking about, um, a mosaic, like, Tiles are placed where they're placed intentionally. Um, And if you're super close up to a mosaic and all you see are a couple black tiles, you might think, wow, why did they make this whole mosaic black? (laughs) That's such a good point. It's not all black. Step back and look at it a little bit bigger. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And also it's intentional to recognize that those black tiles are where they are and they're not further up and to the left where the red tiles are because that's where the red tiles belong. And and the way that they interact with each other is saying something bigger than just the red tiles or just the black tiles could communicate in and of themselves. The Bible is like that. Um, Like, like one passage that I personally have wrestled with a lot and I, I think probably most podcast listeners have, if they've read it, is Jesus's interaction with the Syrophoenician woman. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a woman that uh, she's asking Jesus to, I think, heal her daughter, maybe cast out a demon from her daughter. Mm-hmm. But she, she, this woman, is a Gentile. And Jesus says, I wasn't sent to you. I was sent to the Israelites. And the woman's begging Jesus, please. And Jesus calls her a dog. And dogs don't get to eat the food at the table. And then the woman says, well, don't dogs even get to eat the crumbs that fall off the table? And Jesus goes, you have great faith. Yeah. Your request is answered. Like that passage is really confusing and hard Mm -hmm. if you pull it out of context. Yeah. Even if you read it in context, it's confusing and hard, but in context, it makes way more sense. Like, what do I know about Jesus? He's a, He's got to be the most compassionate being that's ever lived. Um, he wasn't working against his compassion in that moment. There, there must be something more that I'm missing um, in the wrestle. And that's an example of where you need to meditate. Totally. But you need to meditate on the whole of the mosaic of who Jesus is in order to glean the wisdom from that one particular story. Mm-hmm. Pastor Jordan had some good insight. Uh, on December 18th about that too in his sermon Hmm. where he just talked about the authority given to Jesus by God in his humanness was for the Israelites. And I might be butchering that a little bit, but go listen to that too. Just, I I hadn't heard that aspect of it before and thought that was really good. Wow. Um, That, that hits the seven pillars. Yeah. 
Um, we only skimmed over the surface of them, but hopefully that at least introduces some helpful ways to think about the Bible for you listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I want to, to end if we're ending to with this, the statement that I believe it's all beautiful. It's like this, <laughs> the Bible is a beautiful piece of humanity and divinity. Um, it's, it's artistic at times and historical at times and, and biographical at times, but it, like Benji said, it's this mosaic and mosaics are beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen like a proper mosaic, like Mm. not done by a second grader. They're (laughs) stunning. And with just such great intention and um, artistry that like you have to be able to set one piece at a time, but see the whole picture in your head. And I don't think, Wow. On a scale like this, only God can do that. Wow. Like it, it can only be divine. Wow. Um, and just gets me really fired up. That's stunning. Yeah. Wow. And on a scale like this, it's like the Bible is a library of texts that were written over the span of longer than a thousand years. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible scale. And yet they're unified and they tell one great, masterful, stunning story of humans' relationship with their creator, culminating in our salvation through that creator putting on Mm -hmm. flesh. That, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. There's a pretty common, uh, I don't know, critique of Christianity that came from a German critic named Feuerbach who said Christianity, the belief in God is just a projection of humanity into the divine. Hmm. Like what we believe about God is just what we know about ourselves, but projected into heaven. I, I say a lot of things to that, but one of them is no human could have done this. Yeah. No group of humans. It doesn't matter how brilliant you are. Totally. And the Bible is a Stunning masterpiece. Like there's a reason that it has been the most influential text in all of human history and will continue to be. Yeah. Um, so anyway, if hopefully, if nothing else, this podcast has inspired you to trust the Holy Spirit's movement through the text and to want to get in those words because it's, it can change a life, you know? Mm hmm. Absolutely. And maybe one, uh, another thought I want to offer is sometimes people think, oh, well, I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't know Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. Um, Can I really know God if I haven't delved deep into the scriptures? Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage that person. Yes, absolutely. It's not like deep biblical scholarship is the only gateway to knowledge of the holy. Absolutely. You know, I think you can, you can grasp the simple gospel as a child. Jesus says the kingdom of God is for children, Mm -hmm. not for scholars. Yeah. So even the best scholarship is totally off base if it doesn't have the posture of a child. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, and if it doesn't come back to Jesus too, or starts with Jesus. Amen. Yeah, which, like Jesus said, build your life upon him, the the rock. I'm not building my life on the Bible, but I'm using the Bible mm-hmm. to help equip me to build my life yeah, upon the rock. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, it doesn't 
our faith does not start with the Bible, but with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Like that's, I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to Mm -hmm. discovering more about the Bible is it's like, this is all for God and to God and in God. And Mm -hmm. we learn about God and relate to God and Jesus. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a realization I had in this process. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Wow. Well, we did it. I think we did as much as we could. Yeah. Maybe more than I expected, actually. I agree. No, I, I feel I feel like this is obviously the surface yeah. of this conversation. And we'll link um, uh, resources for you guys if you want to go deeper in this kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I feel really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. If you, listener, have follow-up questions or would like us to do something else in the podcast to dive into any particular topic. Yeah. Um, reach out to us. Yeah. Please email deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com mm-hmm. for comments, questions, concerns. Um, hopefully at some point you'll be able to leave a review on, <laughs> on, on Apple podcast. If that's a way you listen, cause that'd be a cool way to get, um, comments and, and questions and stuff, but, right. uh, we don't have enough reviews yet. So <laughs> that's also a plug to <laughs> please review this podcast. That's right. Yeah. And then maybe people will discover us. Yeah. But it, in the meantime, thanks for buckling up and going through this journey with us. Listener, we appreciate you taking the time and we pray that this has been edifying for you. Absolutely. Um, and we pray that we can continue to bless you and everyone else with some content. I've been blessed by this conversation. Mm -hmm. So thanks, Jace. Me too. Thank you, Benji. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, if you'd like to join us on Sundays, uh, we meet at 4 p.m. at Vineyard Boise. Mm -hmm. And we hope to uh, hear... (laughs) Hope to listen... I can't can't talk. Hope to hear you again soon. (laughs) That that doesn't make any sense. Yep. I hope you join us again. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a nice day. <laughs> 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 <I love it. sighs>